I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The left is up in arms over the use of the term groomers to describe opponents of Florida's parental rights in education law. Today, numerous outlets are accusing conservatives of baseless smears and engaging in homophobic rhetoric. Well... If the left doesn't like it, perhaps they should stop insisting on the right to discuss sexuality and gender theory and transgenderism with five-year-olds. We'll take a look at the left's latest moral outrage and what's really going on here in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. It all started with a very straightforward bill that then became a law after Governor Ron DeSantis signed it in the state of Florida that just laid out that there should be some guidelines when it comes to instruction around sexuality, gender identity, transgenderism, and gender theory. Basically, you don't teach it to little kids in public school as a matter of either the day-to-day teaching or the official curriculum. That's something that is too early to discuss, and a lot of parents want to be able to handle that on their own terms, in their own way, when the time is right. It's certainly not right for kindergartners. People don't talk about this stuff at that age in their normal day-to-day lives. In American homes, that's not a topic of conversation. Hey, uh, you know, little Timmy or little Susie, let's talk about pansexuality today, or let's talk about gender identity theory. For five-year-olds? For six-year-olds? Absurd, right? This is not something that should be controversial in the least. The left has made it incredibly controversial. First, they tried to transition it into a 
anti-gay bill, the don't say gay bill, they said. Which, when you actually look at the bill, the bill doesn't even say gay. It doesn't ban the, the term gay. It doesn't ban people being gay or talking about the fact that they are gay in their own lives. It's about the classroom instruction of children where sexuality of all kinds, gay, straight, you name it, not to be discussed as a function of state law. Now, there are a lot of restrictions on what can be said and what's going on in classrooms. There are all kinds of civil rights laws and legislation that apply in public schools and any school for that matter. So why was this so controversial? Well, we know now that the left is particularly sensitive as more and more people find out about the law. It turns out that the American people seem to support the Florida law, the parental rights and education law. They don't actually want children to be instructed in this. And some on the right have gone on what you could call political offense here. Because they're saying, what is it with people that want to teach such young children about sexuality, gender identity, and all these different things at such a young age? They're straight up saying that these are groomers or people who are making space for the grooming of children in schools. And this has really upset the left. Washington Post, the new Red Scare, the right leans into pedophilia accusations. The weak, why are Republicans so concerned about grooming? Daily Beast, Republicans say groomer to put a new face on homophobia. What? Vice News, conservatives are smearing don't say gay opponents as pedophile groomers. You see, this is now turned into a war of words. And the left is losing because they had to lie. The words they used in the first place, don't say gay bill, was propaganda. They were lying. And so now they're trying to say, well, if you oppose the, uh, the usage of this phrase, or rather, if you oppose the people who are opponents of the law, if you say, why do they have such a problem with this, they come after you and pretend that it's anti-gay? This doesn't make any sense. It has nothing to do with uh, gay individuals. So why is this such a big issue? MSNBC host Chris Hayes, one of the big libs out there on the cable news circuit, he says that this is a big problem. Republicans are all over the place accusing all Democrats of grooming. Watch. Republican Governor Ron DeSantis' spokesperson gave away the whole game. She, sort of like Marjorie Taylor Greene, wasn't quite like with it enough to kind of keep it quiet. She said, the bill that liberals inaccurately called Don't Say Gay would be more accurately described as the anti-grooming bill. And quote, if you're against the anti-grooming bill, you're probably a groomer. Or at least you don't denounce the grooming of 48-year-old children. Silence is complicit. Just, I want everyone to focus on what she is accusing people of here. There it is. She said the quiet part loud. If you don't agree with the bill, you are actively cultivating young children to sexually abuse them. If you're a Democrat, you're either a pedophile or a pedophile sympathizer. If you're a gay teacher who mentions, I don't know, going away with your husband this weekend, you're doing the same. Amazing to watch the misrepresentations here. First of all, there are a lot of Democrats that actually support the parental rights law in Florida. Democrat voters, 55% of them. So it's not about all Democrats, that's just a lie. Biden voters, 53%. Parents overall, 67%. And the general public, 61%. Okay, so the polling, the polling certainly shows us here that. The American people, by strong majority, are supportive of this law. 
So do the, is, are we then to think that 60% of the American people, or even, even higher numbers, 67% uh, of parents are bigots who don't want anyone who's gay to be able to uh, you know, live their lives in the, in the classroom as teachers normally? No, they just don't want their kids to be taught about queer theory and transgenderism, right? They, they, they don't want that to be a part of the conversation for basically toddlers, right? This is the reality that we are seeing play out right now. And the left is pushing very hard on this. Why? Let's get to the why for a moment. Because I mean, I think this is about the left wanting control to brainwash children into these ideologies at a very young age. Others on the right go so far as to say, no, there's actually a sympathy for, uh, for groomers and they're making that accusation out loud. Uh, so that's also a, a part of this fight. That is a part of the debate, the conversation right now. But why is the left so insistent on this? Well, clearly they want to destroy the gender binary in this country, the notion of men and women and, uh, and standards of sexual identity and, and just our, our traditions of gender in this country. They want to erase all of that and replace it with something else, with something uh, quite progressive, you could say, quite leftist in its view, which is that all of this stuff is malleable and constantly changing, and you have to celebrate all of these newfound, often, identities, gender identities, and all the rest of it. You have to agree with this White House, that, which the White House just put out guidance on this officially, that even young, uh, young children should be able to physically transition. They should, that there are trans kids and trans kids should be able to have castration to change to female from male, should be able to take hormone therapy, all of this. The Biden White House, Joe Biden was supposed to be a, you know, a union-loving Democrat, good old Joe who rode the Amtrak, and you can trust him. The Biden White House is pushing this stuff. There is something of a, of a frenzy around all of this, too, because the left has been engaged in a clear campaign not only to normalize and celebrate very, uh, uh, what had been fringe sexualities, gender identities, and all the rest of it until about five minutes ago, uh, you see what's going on here too. All of a sudden, people's attitudes are changing based on age. Gen Z, this is from Gallup. Gen Z has 20% uh, of Gen Z now identifies as LGBTQ. Millennials, it was half of that. Gen X, it was half of that. Boomers, it was half of that. You go down the list, there's an explosion in the identification of these, uh, with these different groups. Is this because it is a cultural campaign of the left to convince people that this is what they are or should be? Or is it because we've suddenly just discovered something that wasn't known in human history for thousands of years beforehand? I'm just wondering, which one is it when we're talking about transgenderism, pansexuality, uh, and all these different aspects of gender theory, non-cisgender, non-binary, all of this. Well, we're going to talk about this more with YouTube uh, political and social commentator Lauren Chen in a moment. First, I want to uh, talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed. We know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers in Switzerland. No big tech spying can even happen. So you can send emails to anybody knowing that you're actually sending secure communications. 
Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. There's a battle going on right now that may be the most important fight our country's had since the Revolutionary War. Once again, it's about our freedom. People like you and me are being canceled. Our speech increasingly censored by big tech and corporate media. Can't let that happen. Time to fight back. Please stand with us and support The First TV. Be a part of our team dedicated to preserving the very essence of who we are, free Americans. I've had the privilege of working with the Moon Girl team for the last two years, and they've been really open to exploring queer stories. And part of, I'm on the production side, uh, part of uh, the work that I feel like I can put in is um, making sure that we take place in modern day New York. So making sure that that's like an accurate reflection of New York. So I put together like a tracker of our background characters to make sure that we have like a, the full breadth of expression, especially with like trans characters, you can't see if someone is trans. There's not one way to look trans. And so kind of the only way to have these like canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. That was Disney production coordinator Alan March saying that he and his team uh, are committed to exploring queer stories. That was the quote and creating gender non-conforming characters at Disney. And remember, he's talking about children's programming. If the left wants to understand why the, teen, uh, the term groomer has become so popular among those on the right who are criticizing some of the folks who are pushing this stuff, maybe they should ask why a company that used to be known for princesses and a cartoon mouse is now inserting gender identity theory and transgenderism and pansexuality into its content. For more on this, let's talk to political and social commentator Lauren Chen. You can follow her on Twitter for more at the Lauren Chen. Lauren, good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. What do you make of the meltdown the left is having around being called groomers? It seems like this really bothers them a lot. Chris Hayes, mono on it last night on MSNBC, all over. There are these think pieces. You name a major lib news outlet. It's how the right is weaponizing the term groomer. It's not true. Well, Why is it so upsetting? I think it's just ironic that the people who have been calling the right Nazis, fascists, racists, bigots, homophobes, insurrectionists, uh, treasonists, you name it, for the past few years are now all concerned about what type of language we're using against our political opponents. But there's a big difference between the way that the uh, left has weaponized language against conservatives versus conservatives calling the left groomers right now and that I am completely 100% serious and uh, not being hyperbolic when I say that the left is attempting to groom children in order to exploit them sexually. I mean that in every sense of the word. This is not an issue where uh, I at least and people I think who agree with me are trying to I suppose uh, act in bad faith and make our opponents look bad. I mean, you just played a clip right right there of a Disney employee trying to introduce sexual themes, and these are sexual themes into children's shows. And don't don't make any mistake about what the actual definition of grooming is: trying to introduce sexuality to young children, especially behind a parent's back, trying to alienate them from their parents. These are all actually well documented methods of groomers, and the left is playing into each single one of these categories. So it is it is accurate to call them groomers. And frankly, I think the fact that they are having this meltdown over being called out for what they're doing shows that it's effective and the right needs to keep going with it. 
what do you think their, their thought process, and when I say they, I mean uh, you know, the, the Democrat vanguard, mm -hmm. the left-wing activists, because they have gone all in on this Florida state bill, which is now a law, I should say, the Florida state law, the parental rights in education law. And I mean, 52% of Democrats in the state of Florida agree with the law. Right. This law is, it's been called controversial a lot by the mainstream media and by Twitter activists, but make no mistake, it's absolutely not. It's not a controversial thing to say to adults in general and specifically parents that, hey, by the way, perhaps if your school is trying to transition your child or if your child comes out as some sort of new trendy gender, that you as a parent should be notified. It's also not controversial to say that if you have a seven-year-old, maybe it's a little bit too early to start talking about gender and sexual identities if you want that at all. So this is this is absolutely common sense in a perfect world. This bill, this law would not be necessary. And I think the Democrats are making a huge mistake trying to act as if this is their hill to die on as if this is what their party represents is opposition to this bill because the average American is absolutely in favor of it. And I'm so happy we are seeing other states start to adopt measures like this. Uh, you know, there's Sun Tzu, I think it's uh, perhaps him, but there's a saying that says, if your enemy is making a mistake, do not stop them. And I hope the left continues to vocally champion for the ability to introduce sexuality uh, to kindergartners. Yes, let's keep going. Talk more about this leftist, please. You know, midterm are coming up, and I think Republicans could use this win. I, I do think it's remarkable as well uh, when, when just reasonable people find out what is in this bill. I mean, one thing I've said, you could never talk about gender or sexual identity or transgenderism or anything ever in school, you know, all the way up through high school, whatever, right? Because th there, there are times, there are ages where I definitely did not have anyone instructing me in transgenderism, gender identity, or even the basic, you know, birds and the bees in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, nor was I having conversations with my adult teachers at that age about their sex lives. And when you see some of the public objections that have been made to this, there are teachers who are saying, well, I won't be able to tell the kids about my partner. I didn't know who, I didn't know anything about anybody who was going on dates or anything else when I was in the first grade in terms of my teachers. Why is that so strange to the left all of a sudden? I'm not sure. I didn't even know my teacher's first names growing up in elementary school. And now it seems that teachers have become accustomed to sharing their sexualities, their genders, and their kinks with their students, which is at the very least completely unprofessional. And I think on, you know, on the other end of that spectrum, predatory, flat out. And I think there are a lot of teachers who seem to be now acting as if these students of theirs are actually their own children or their own mini therapists who they get to vent to and uh, talk about their private lives too. It's like, no, that is not your job. You were hired specifically to instruct on English, math, history, uh, and not all of these crazy leftist ideologies that you seem intent on bringing into the classroom. And I'm, I'm very discouraged to see how many teachers, at least on TikTok, these activist teachers who you can tell by just looking at them are going to be opposed to the Florida bill, are saying that despite the bill, they're going to continue to bring this left-wing ideology into the classroom. And I hope that there are consequences for those teachers who now will be in essence acting against the law. And like you mentioned, um, the law itself is very reasonable. Essentially, it just says that if there are changes in a student's emotional, mental, or physical health, parents need to be notified, i.e. no, you can't uh, socially transition a child without notifying their parents. And you also can't bring into discussions or instruction on gender or sexual identity uh, before third grade and anything must be age appropriate after that. Very reasonable. I personally think the bill doesn't go far enough. And I think the fact that there are so many people opposed to it goes 
goes to show how far the Overton window has shifted in terms of what we find acceptable, not only to happen with children, but just in terms of, I, I, I guess, social cohesion. Remember, not that long ago, gay marriage federally was not allowed in the United States. And now look how far we've come. The slippery slope is real. By the way, here's a, this is from Libs of TikTok, which is an amazing, people should have amazing. TikTok yeah. access just so they can see the Libs of TikTok account. Here's a <laughs> self-described non-binary teacher explaining why she needs to tell her students about gender and sexuality. Watch this one. It makes me very angry when people don't want to talk about gender and sexuality in classrooms, um, specifically for the reason that students won't understand. Um, because in my experience with teaching, that is never the case. Um, I'm a non-binary teacher and I use the title mix. Um, and today I had 12 new students and I just go, hi, my name is Mix Murphy Q. I use mix instead of miss. It's a little bit different, but I'm still a teacher just the same. And they got it right away. I mean, what, what, what was that? Well, I think just as as a parent, uh, you know, obviously not everyone in Florida is going to be a Republican, but regardless of political affiliation, if if you hear from your your child that their teacher is using mixed pronouns, uh, call school, pull them out of the class. That right there is the biggest warning uh, that you could possibly be given as a parent. And I think there is this misconception amongst too many of these, frankly, narcissistic activist teachers that the children in their classrooms are there to validate their identities, which is absolutely not the job of a child. Uh, teachers are there to support students, not have students indulge them in whatever make-believe gender they're claiming to be for that week. Lauren, always illuminating. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. New emails reveal that in 2017, Joe Biden wrote a college recommendation letter for the son of Hunter's Chinese business partner. Well, that's weird because he's not supposed to know anything about Hunter's Chinese business interests, right? We've got more on the latest link between the president and his son's shady business dealings coming up here in just a moment. But you know, we're living in chaotic times and foreign identity thieves love chaos. American homeowners have become a favorite target for these criminals. It's not just your credit cards and bank accounts they're after. That's small time stuff. These hackers want our homes. The crisis is home title theft. It's a crime that's growing rapidly. The problem is that the title to your home is online, believe it or not, and all they have to do is forge your signature, put a quit claim deed out there, and now they act like they're the owners of your home. They can take out loans and leave you with the payments. You often won't find out about this until those demands for payment arrive or perhaps even an eviction notice. Take action today to protect your home. Go to HomeTitleLock.com to protect your most valuable asset. That's HomeTitleLock.com. A buck brief on Shady Hunter stuff coming up next. There are growing calls for a special counsel to look into Hunter Biden's business relationships and how much President Biden knew about them. This all comes as new emails revealed that in 2017, Joe Biden wrote a college recommendation letter for the son of Hunter's Chinese business partner, but the White House is still standing by its claim that Hunter is innocent and the president never spoke to him about his business dealings. Let's dive into all this in tonight's Buck Brief. So we know, and we actually covered this in an excellent special available to the first TV subscribers on the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, 
that the Democrat-aligned corporate media lied about that. They pretended it wasn't a story, that it was hacked, that it was fake. They just acted like we didn't know what we knew. And now, about 18 months later, they've decided they can speak about it a little bit. Now, why is that? It's because there is a U.S. attorney in Delaware who is looking at Hunter Biden for possible tax evasion, money laundering, and failure to register as a foreign agent criminal charges, right? So there's a real federal investigation into the sitting president's son. Imagine for a moment that this was actually one of the Trump children and not a Democrat president's son. And you can just figure out very quickly how the media coverage of this would be so, so different. But while we know that Hunter Biden is a mess and was engaged in shady and corrupt business relationships with Ukrainians, with Chinese businessmen, we know this now beyond any reasonable doubt. And while the criminal investigation is still going on into his personal liability for possible tax evasion and other things, he was given millions of dollars by Chinese businessmen with ties to the Chinese Communist Party, of course. So there's a lot going on here. What about 10% for the big guy? Remember that one? Everybody assumed that the big guy in the context of those deals that Hunter Biden was negotiating was Joe Biden, his dad, the big guy. That's where the political liability for the Democrats goes from smoke to fire to thermonuclear in a hurry. That's where all of a sudden you can see they have real problems with their sitting president because if he's getting payoffs from corrupt Chinese businessmen, if he's getting uh, a piece of the action, so to speak, from Hunter Biden selling access to his dad while his dad was vice president at the time. And then, of course, you'd have to wonder, is he compromised by those interests today? What else do Chinese and Ukrainian oligarchs know about the president, his son, and their business dealings? The White House, of course, saying, oh, don't worry, there's nothing to see here. Biden never spoke to Hunter, I'm sorry, Joe Biden never spoke to Hunter Biden about his business dealings, watch. To ensure the independence of the investigation, would the president support the appointment of a special counsel? Well, first, the president has never had a conversation with the Department of Justice about any investigations into any member of his family. He said that during the campaign, and he will continue to abide by that. So I'd point you to the Department of Justice. The president has said that he never spoke to his son about his overseas business dealings. Is that still the case? Yes. Ah, never spoke about his business dealings to his dad. You see, the moment that this crosses over into the Biden crime family, instead of just the wayward son with a drug addiction of the sitting president who we're all supposed to feel so sorry for, did they ever feel sorry for any of the Trump children for any reason whatsoever? Or show them any sympathy or even decency? No, of course not. Very different approach to all of that. But we know that this is just all bare-knuckled politics. That's what's actually playing out before us. And that's why they'll do everything they can to suppress the possible uh, story breaking of Joe Biden knowing about Hunter Biden's shady business dealings and, of course, encouraging him. And maybe even, and this would be the one that would really cause the big issues for them, Joe Biden himself getting payoffs as a result of this, just getting his piece of the action for selling access to Biden, then the VP, and of course now the president, and at any point in the interim, the assumption that he would be running for office and therefore somebody that you would want to buy influence. I mean, why are they paying all this money for Hunter Biden's painting? 
We can't know who the buyers are, but they say, don't worry, there's really strong ethical protections in place. No serious person believes that. Nobody would ever buy a Hunter Biden painting for $50,000. No, you would give that money to Hunter Biden for his painting skills because you think that he can get you, when you need one, a sit down, a phone call, maybe even a, an official action by the sitting president of the United States, Joe Biden. How many people out there feel like 50 grand for a painting? It's not bad if you get a pardon at the end of the Biden administration and you need one, right? A lot of things that can be done here that go right to the heart of the corruption. Um, but remember, they lied to you about this from the very beginning. We shouldn't forget that. And even some of the people who lied to you about the Hunter Biden saga, the laptop, all of it, now are saying it was terrible that there were all these lies, as if we don't remember that they were one of the liars, like Joe Scarborough. The Post comes out with it. They're the mm -hmm. only one that comes out with it. And then it is banned on social yeah. media. That's bad. Yeah, yeah that, that's it's horrific. Be, 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 yeah. That's bad. Because, again, it, it is, I think we have to, you know, you have to say it. It's a real, it's a real story. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a real story. Yeah, it's definitely a real story. It's a big story, in fact, and always has been. But the Democrat corporate media lied to you, lied to the American people through an election with the help, with the collusion of big tech, through an election to the Democrat. And now we see that decrepit buffoon, Joe Biden, just kind of wandering around and muttering. And the whole thing is just such a such a grotesque display from the Democrats. It really is. Has been all along. New York Post, by the way, which got the story right, New York, New York Post editorial board had this in their op-ed recently. It would have been standard procedure to hold off making headlines in the run for the 2020 vote. But delays since then likely came at the order of central justice, namely Attorney General Merrick Garland and his top aides. And that's where we really start to worry about a finger on the scales of justice, as in there's a need for a special counsel in the Hunter Biden investigation. I mean, this is why special counsel really exists. Nobody can expect there to be an honest and transparent investigation of the president's son. No one thinks that's going to happen. Think about this. They had a special counsel against Donald Trump for Russia collusion that didn't even exist. But they said, oh, he fired James Comey, and so he's clearly trying to cover something up. There's some problem here. They're lying. They're lying to you. You know that. Joe Biden's lying to you as well. And I think we're going to find out more about just the depth of those, uh, those lies that he's telling. Back in October of 2020, Biden denied that Hunter made any money in China. Watch. And Vice President Biden, there have been questions about the work your son has done in China and for a Ukrainian energy company when you were vice president. In retrospect, was anything about those relationships inappropriate or unethical? Nothing was unethical. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. Notice the lie and the deflection. Classic Biden, of course. All right, switching gears here. Abortion advocates are celebrating today as Colorado Governor Jared Polis signs the most radical pro-abortion legislation in America. So what's this new law? What's it all about? We'll take a look at it with National Review's David Harsanyi coming up. This bill codifies a person's right to make reproductive health care decisions free from government interference. In the state of Colorado, 
the very serious decision to start a pregnancy or to end a pregnancy with medical assistance remains between a person, their doctor, and their faith. Abortion rights advocates are celebrating a day after Colorado Governor Jared Polis signed the most radical pro-abortion legislation in the country. The new law codifies the individual right to an abortion up until the moment of birth for any reason and ensures that fetuses do not have independent rights under the laws of the state. Going to discuss this one is senior writer for National Review, David Harsanyi. David, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. So according to the Colorado Catholic Conference, the new law put in place will include the following. A law allow on-demand abortion for the full 40 weeks of a pregnancy, allow abortion discrimination based on sex, race, or disability, could remove the parent notification requirement if their minor has an abortion, enshrines in law that a fertilized egg embryo or fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under state law, and prohibits regulation of abortion based on the health of the woman or her baby. Uh, I understand, obviously, uh, I'm Catholic, and the Catholic Church has a very specific view on this, but is everything that they're saying here true about this bill? Is this the reality of what Colorado has just passed? Um, yeah, I mean, all of that is true. I mean, some of that is always true, but all of that is definitely true for this bill. Uh, I am a uh, atheist, and I still think it's wrong to kill viable babies uh, for convenience, and that's what this bill allows. Uh, many bills allow that um, anyway, but at least you have to jump through some hoops, you know, to, to get there. But now you can just do it. It preemptively or proactively makes sure that no, that uh, a fetus can never have any rights or protections. Um, Colorado doesn't even have a fetal protection bill. So if someone like hits you in the stomach with a baseball bat and kills a, a baby, um, that's up to the, you know, the local DA or whatever to decide. There's no law on that either. So essentially... Um, until a baby, until you hear a baby crying in the hospital, it is not considered alive by the laws of Colorado, which is more radical than Roe or Casey or any law in the country, which always, to some extent, took the, you know, viability into into account. This does none of that. David, you wrote uh, about this new law for National Review. You call it the most radical abortion law in the nation, and you write that Colorado's new maximus law not only ignores scientific and moral questions surrounding viability, but also preventatively ensures that a fetus does not have independent or derivative rights under the laws of the state, stripping the unborn of any legal protection in any circumstance. Uh, what do you think is behind this right now? Why, why would Colorado pass this at this moment? Is, is it about uh, preparation in a sense, political and legal preparation for the Supreme Court's decision in June? Uh, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that states are worried that Roe will be overturned, hopefully it will be, and that they have to uh, pass these laws to protect abortion rights. Um, listen, I'd rather have it back in states' hands than a, than a law, you know, than a, 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 a sort of fake constitutional right invented by a court. So on that front, I'm okay. On the, but now we have to, now they, Democrats, whose position is, the National Party's position is that abortion should be legal until crowning for whatever reason you want and funded by the state, um, should now have to debate that position rather than simply saying, oh, it's a constitutional right. 
Jared Polis should now have to, def- you know, be asked and have to defend this position. You heard that little clip you gave, all those euphemisms about uh, uh, health care and this and that. I mean, in the end, this is an argument about when life starts. And Jared Polis doesn't want to have that debate, of course. He just wants to preen about, uh, about choice, which always makes me laugh from these progressives who essentially want to strip you of every other choice in, in life, economic and otherwise, all of a sudden, when it comes to this issue, believe in choice. Yes, no, they're only pro-choice when it comes to killing babies. They're actually not pro-choice for almost anything else, which we see all throughout our society. Do you think that, is this, on on the political front, are the Democrats going to try to leverage uh, the upcoming Supreme Court decision? And of course, there are multiple state bills. Some are protective of life. Some, like this, are enshrining extreme abortion uh, rights into law. Is this all just, for the Democrats, a means of trying to create some kind of groundswell of support for their base, you think, going into the midterm election that otherwise, I mean, what, what's their political calculation here? I think part of it is that the midterms are coming and, uh, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade is unpopular in polls because I don't think people really understand what that means. It just means that the states are going to take up the issue and pass laws like this or like you have in Alabama and other places, 15-week bans. I think there might be an initial polling sort of pushback against, uh, you know, pro-life positions because of that. But in the end, I think it's a winning argument for Republicans or whoever's pro-life because a 15-week ban is actually popular. When people learn what's in these supposed bans that happen in southern states and elsewhere, they agree with them. And when they hear a third tri- about third trimester abortions being legal, as Colorado allows, that is incredibly unpopular. So I think once and if Republicans can get out you know, the word on what these bills are about and have a real debate about the issues, I just don't think this is a loser for Republicans. I think they're far more in the mainstream than people, you know, than political experts who write about this think. And uh, I think once that debate is had, it's going to, I'm not saying it's going to be like an overwhelming victory, but I don't think the overturning of Roe is going to hurt them as much as everyone else thinks. Yeah, I think that's all happens. just meant to try to create a perception of pressure on the justices to not do what is clearly, I mean, and to, your, to your earlier point, even honest leftists uh, who, are, who are scholars of the law admit Roe v. Wade is just, it's garbage law. I mean, it, it, there's, there's, it's indefensibly absurd law that we all have to, we've had to live with for decades, even though no one really thinks that in the penumbras or whatever, there's some right to privacy that enshrines a right to abortion. It's, it's sheer, it, I mean, it's just a fabrication. I mean, it's, it's almost like a Uh, They came up with, well, they did come up with something out of nothing. And now they're acting like this will be some huge nightmare for the right if they get what they want. I think actually on the other side of the pro-life movement may really be energized by this and say, okay, after decades of Roe being the law of the land, which was absurd and atrocious, now finally there's a real fight state by state to protect the rights of, let's just start with third trimester babies in Colorado. We, We could start there. Yeah. I mean, and that's why, like I mentioned, they use these euphemisms. That's why every headline says, you know, uh, Colorado codifies right to an abortion rather. But when they write about uh, Texas or Mississippi, they say 
institutes ban. You know what I mean? The, the, the language itself misleads people about what we're talking about here. And I'm not going to lie. I want to ban abortion completely. But uh, that's not what the political debate is about right now. And uh, I just don't think that it's going to hurt as much as, as everyone just seems to think it will. And first, and we should also mention, we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know that Roe will be overturned. Uh, I hope it will be because it is a garbage decision. Um, it's a kind of concocted right that, that the left wants to see more of in the Supreme Court and why constitutionalists are so important. Uh, this is, uh, but I also don't think that the Constitution says you can't have an abortion. I think that's a, it's a political debate. It's where it should be. And hopefully, and I think that the pro-life movement will benefit from being able to have a debate more on the facts than having this, uh, you know, this, this concocted protection hovering over the debate. David, thanks for joining. Appreciate your piece. Anytime. Thank you. GOP governor is showing that sharing your preferred pronouns isn't just for Democrats anymore. We'll have the video for you in tonight's Quick Hits. Stay with us. A GOP governor feels the need to share his preferred pronouns with students and a mass release of single adult migrants is caught on camera in Texas. Those stories and more in Quick Hits. Let's get to it. Uh, so... The governor of Utah recently uh, shot down a law that would have protected women's sports in his state. Uh, you're seeing a number of GOP governors cave on this issue. Uh, the governor of South Dakota caved on transgender sports protection for women, as in separating gender, uh, sports by gender. Uh, other states have, have, some other states have gone the same direction. And they always have something about, oh, blah, 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 legal, something or other, but actually it's just corporate interests in their states who are calling the shots and they don't want to upset them. So here's Utah GOP Governor Cox, who is, this is not on the trans issue, but decided to share his preferred pronouns with students. Just, just cause, watch. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I am Governor Spencer Cox, and I have the pleasure today of hosting the first one Utah student town hall. And uh, my preferred pronouns are he, him, and his. Got to throw on the his at the end in case anyone's confused. The he, him is not enough. Got to have the his. Because who knows? Maybe, you know, the last one is, you know, he, him, Zed or Zeta or something. You know, you never know. There's some sanity, at least, in this conversation these days from politicians, even around the world. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who is uh, still in a bit of hot water for the whole throwing parties during the COVID lockdown thing. Parties for him, but not for everybody else in his country. But anyway, he does say the occasional intelligent thing. And here he is pointing out that this, I mean, this should be the most obvious thing in the world. Biological males, men, should not compete in women's sports. This is absurd. It destroys women's sports. We can all see it. We all know it. We should not have to bend the knee on this. Watch. I don't think that it's, it's reasonable for uh, kids to be deemed so-called Gillick competent to take decisions about uh, their, their gender or ir irreversible treatments that they, they may, they may uh, have. I just don't, I, I think there should be parental involvement at the, at the very least, that's first thing. Second thing, I don't think that uh, biological males should be competing in female sporting events. And, and you know, maybe, I'm, maybe that's a controversial thing to see, but I just, it just seems to me to be sensible. It just seems to be sensible. Yeah, it does, actually. It does seem to be 
sensible. So what is the problem? Why do the libs freak out about this? Well, we've been talking on the show. It's about getting you to bend the knee to what is not true. It's about a gateway to totalitarianism, which is that they can make you say things that are obviously false. And once they can do that, they can make you agree with anything. Because what's true? Whatever they say. And now there's Fox's Bill Malugia doing great work down on the border. Here he is capturing another mass release of single adult migrants from federal custody. Uh, this was down in Brownsville, Texas. The border is open, my friend. Okay, the border is open right now, and it's about to get a whole lot worse. We're actually going to do a, an update to our continuing border coverage with a special this Friday on Hold the Line on the border issue, because with the end of Title 42, there is going to be a surge of illegal migrants at the southern border that is bigger than anything we have ever seen before in this country. I mean, this is going to be, the numbers look like they're going to be breaking records all over the place. Joe Biden, he gave a speech today and claims the reason there is a middle class is, well, watch this one. You're the ones who literally built this country, and that's not hyperbole. And you heard it a thousand times when I was running for office, that we're going to build this economy, not from the top down anymore, but from the middle up and out. That's how you build America. Because we know that when the middle class does well, the poor have a way up and the wealthy are just fine. That's exactly what we're doing. And by the way, the reason there is a middle class is because of unions. Unions. Fact. Unions. That's a fact. That's a fact. Sure it is, buddy. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high. There's a battle going on right now that may be the most important fight our country's had since the Revolutionary War. Once again, it's about our freedom. People like you and me are being canceled, our speech increasingly censored by big tech and corporate media. Can't let that happen. Time to fight back. Please stand with us and support The First TV. Be a part of our team dedicated to preserving the very essence of who we are, free Americans. Who is there for heroes of the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T the number 2 T.org. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 